Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome. It's episode 34 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I am your host. Now we've got quite a busy show today. We're going to start off with maritime history, as we always do with Chris. We're going to head straight into cruise news following that. And then we've got a couple of listener questions to uh, to answer as well towards the, the end of the show. Uh, Pete can't be with us this week. It is just myself and uh, Chris once again, but we are hoping that Pete will be back with us very, very soon. Um, in the meantime, if you, you have taken a look at our merchandise at uh, the Big Cruise podcast, as you mentioned in last week's show, we do have uh, cruise t-shirts. Uh, and the most important thing about these t-shirts is that we've partnered with a company who is very ethical. Num- number one, they uh, source all of the cotton and the manufacturing um, very, very carefully. They power their warehouses with uh, green energy and they use no plastic in any of the packaging throughout the whole process. Um, we have got about two weeks left before delivery closes for international orders. So uh, if you're interested in surprising a loved one or a cruise geek with a nice Christmas cruise tea, then uh, head to the merchandise page. The link is in the show notes and you'll also find it on our website as well. Uh, but without further ado, let's get straight into today's show. And as always, at the top of the show, we always welcome Chris Frame to bring his maritime history and cruise news. Um, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Barry. Great to be back again. Yeah, it's uh, another Friday. Uh, we've got uh, lots to talk about this week. But uh, for the history this week, we thought we'd talk about um, how and why ships have been recycled over the years. Obviously, it's not a new thing. It's happened for many, many generations. But uh, mm. you can kind of explain how it was done in yesteryear and how it's done today as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're seeing so much of this year is that so many people are noticing that cruise ships are being scrapped um, because, you know, for the last sort of 30 years or so, we've not really seen mass scrapping of ships. It's been, you know, occasional ships here and there. There's always ships being scrapped. But, um, you know, the boom in cruising had kept so many older ships in service for so much longer than they would normally, you know, have been in service for because they build these ships with, you know, like service life, 
uh, expectations of 25, 30 years, and some of them have been around for 40. And, you know, the oldest ship we talked about last week um, is over 70 years old. So um, there's there's many, many cruise ships that have had long, long um, service lives. Um, but as far as long as cruise ships and passenger ships have existed, there's been a need to sort of recycle or, or you know, scrap the ones that have come to the end of their usefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, back in the in the era of the ocean liner, many of the ships were, you know, if you were if you were a British shipping company, for example, you would be building your ships in Britain, mm-hmm. um, and similarly, you would be scrapping your ships in in Britain. Uh, and uh, there was some very um, sort of iconic ships that were broken up in Scotland and in Northern England um, at, at big scrapyards that they used to have there, which were quite close to where the shipyards were where they used to build the ships and. The same thing would happen for French ships and German ships and Italian ships and American ships and that sort of thing. Um, nowadays, of course, it's consolidated a lot more. Ships are built in a number of um, big shipyards across the world, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what country they're being built for. Um, you know, where the ship line, shipping line is owned, they'll they'll be built by these expert expert shipbuilding companies that have yeah. you know years of expertise and similarly scrapyards are, are are the same and so we see you know scrapyards in in turkey and in, in india for example that that they're taking the majority of the ships that are being broken up now because those are the places where the scrapyards are the most established um at doing this sort of breaking up of ships now the Visuals you can see, like you, you look at online, um, you can see videos on YouTube, you can see photographs, um, many re- you know, people are reporting about it, these ships being scrapped. And it's the shipyards in Turkey that are getting the most um, attention because that's where the big Carnival and Pulmantur ships were sent. And yeah. so we have this process where they're being broken up together on the beach um, that's certainly one way to do it, and it's how it's done in this particular shipyard, um, scrapyard rather, in Turkey. It's also how it's done in a very well-known scrapyard in India called Alang, where mm-hmm. they they drive the ship to its um, the the to like an anchorage area off the coast, and that's where the last of the non-essential, you know, mechanical and bridge crew are removed from the ship, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it's it's lightest point there, so you know, as much of the uh, heavy machinery and equipment has been removed before the ship goes to those those scrapyards. Um, so you might see things like the heavy um, uh, casino equipment, for example, removed or anything valuable that's not going to be going to be scrapped with the ship. Yeah. Um, and then on the day that it goes to the beach, it is run at um, a high speed uh, for the little voyage from where the anchoring location is up onto the beach they i've seen on this particular scrapyard in in turkey they light a flare to allow for um those driving the ship to have somewhere to aim i suppose Mm -hmm. um and and off they go but you know never in recent memory have we seen ship after ship after ship all lined up like that so we've got sort of the remnants of sovereign and monarch and fan carnival fantasy and inspiration and imagination all there together aster sadly on her way there as well um and so that's what I think makes it so so visual and so um, seems so unusual is that they're all sort of lined up like that and broken up in different in different parts. Now, you know what's interesting, Baz, is um, quite often before a ship is scrapped historically, it'll be destored so they take off all the valuable yep. items um, 
ship like Canberra, for example, which was scrapped in the 1990s, she was destored in Southampton and she had um, valuable P&O artworks and memorabilia and the golden cockerel, which is a, a, a trophy uh, in the shape mm-hmm. of, a, of a rooster, a cockerel, that is um, uh, um, handed over to the fastest ship in the P&O fleet. So all those things were removed from the ship before she left her home port. And then she went to to um, India and she was scrapped at Alang. But the ship um, was difficult to scrap because she had such a deep draft that they couldn't really get her up onto the beach properly. Oh, wow. um, but they de- they debranded her like she still had her yellow funnels, but and, and had her name until she was until she was scrapped. But they took the PNO logos and that, that sort of thing off the ships to sort of made it a yeah. little bit less obvious what it was. Um, but these ships we're seeing now particularly for the Pumanta ships, I mean, the company had, had folded over, right? So it still had the logos on the funnel. Yeah. Um, the Carnival ship's remarkably still sitting there with most of the bow area removed, but the big Carnival funnel is still yeah. very visible, which is quite unusual not to have even painted it a different color, but it just shows the, the, the difficulties that there are in the market at the moment. There isn't like money to spare to paint the ships or they needed to get them there so quickly or whatever the reason was it that does make it look quite visual which is why i suppose it's standing out so much this year um and then i guess the only other thing really to to touch on that that a lot of people have been asking me about is what's actually what is recycled and uh, you know these ships they they're going to the yard with um everything on board pretty much still like i mean valuable items and, and the heavy things that i mentioned might be taken off but all the beds are still there, all the dresses, light fittings, all that sort of stuff. And so the team goes, or the, the scrapping crew go through that and starts to remove those items and anything that can be sold or recycled or um, in some cases, uh, you know, things are donated to charities. I know mm-hmm. when um, QE2, for example, went to Dubai and they, they cleared out all of the stuff that she wasn't, she wasn't scrapped, of course, but when they cleared out all the stuff that was needed, not needed anymore inside the ship, a lot of it went to charities. Um, and then they start breaking the ship up and things like the steel and the aluminium is, is, is recycled. Um, glass of course can be recycled. Um, and then there's other things like carpeting and that needs to, needs to come up. Machinery can be recycled and restored in some cases or broken down even further. And a lot of the stuff like the chairs and the dining tables and that sort of thing, you know, you can, as a collector, you can actually find them for sale online and you can buy, um, items from scrap ships. And so you've got, I know some collectors um, who actually have their houses decorated in old um, scrapped ship interiors. You've got like a room that's <laughs> from the United States and a room that's from, she wasn't scrapped as well, but she was stripped out. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, maybe a room from, uh, or f- piece of furniture from the Olympic or something like that. So um, it's rare, but you can find it. And in some very rare cases, since I mentioned Olympic, um, there's hotels there's a hotel in the united kingdom for example that had its interior decorated in in wooden um pieces that came from the olympics interior so you can go in and have um it's called the white swan hotel and you can go and have a meal in the in the dining room and it's actually decorated in the original olympic dining room woods (laughs) so it's yeah it's found a second life there and has actually been in situ there for much longer than it was ever on the Olympics. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, there's like, it's, it's such a wide and broad topic. And usually like, I mean, some of these famous ships, you, you know, got um, Norway, for example, which was scrapped in the early 2000s There's Canberra, late 1990s. And you can find the occasional photograph of them being broken up. I mean, there's five or six or seven very graphic images showing the ship in, in various states of, 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 um, of the scrapping process, which is quite heartbreaking for anyone who, 
who loves um, those particular ships. But that was about it. But now, of course, you know the good old the, social media. Exactly, Baz, and the guy and the and the team who's working there um, in in Turkey are in some cases like live streaming the the. <laughs> The ship's being beached on Instagram, and it's just so visual. Like you can yeah. actually watch it as it's happening. This massive seventy thousand ton cruise ship coming ramming up onto onto a beach next to its sister ship that's got you know half of its bow missing. You just don't haven't seen that until twenty twenty. So that's why it seems like it's this new phenomenon, but it's been happening for years, for decades, for centuries. Yeah, um, exactly. Fact, yeah. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure it does. It's uh, as you say, it's a uh... Just incredible to see it's on social media, and uh, even just a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have, have seen um, this this happening. Uh, but uh, times are different in twenty twenty, so uh, it's out there for everybody to see. It is, and I think one of the things that will, um, you know, I've noticed this year, particularly um, in the in the YouTube videos that I've been doing, a lot of comments from people who who either love cruising or who don't go cruising, but are very concerned about the environmental footprint um of of ships in general but particularly cruise ships and you know although cruise ships themselves are largely much greener than uh, many of the merchant ships or or um, mm-hmm. um you know commercial ships that are doing a lot of the work out there um what we are seeing this year of course is a lot of older ships are the ones that are being retired and the newer ships that uh, have been built in the last sort of decade or so have much cleaner engines use you know some of them are yeah. using lng for example which we think we're going to talk about a little bit later about some of the um, cruise lines that are even looking at becoming um, sort of carbon neutral and so you know it is sort of accelerating that turnaround which would mean that the industry will be will have a, a younger fleet globally and also yeah. a, a greener fleet globally when some of these older ships that are, are wonderful vessels but just because of their age their machinery is uh, of that older generation um, so they, they are the ones that we're mainly seeing. We're not seeing new ships going to the scrapyard. It's, it's yeah. the ones that have been around for 20 or 30 years. Yeah, because realistically, older ships are more expensive to, to maintain at the end of the day, just like a, an older car. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's one of the things. I mean, it's, um, it's the same with aircraft. Um, you know, you think about the aircraft world. We've had most of the four-engined aircraft now have been either retired or long-term mothballed. Qantas is retired its whole 747 fleet because it's just not as economical as the 787 with the uh, two engines yeah same thing yeah. with cruise ships you know you've got more modern engines you've got like if you look at a cruise ship now and you see white what looks like white smoke coming out of the funnel that's quite um quite often that's because they've had um technology put into the machinery that helps to recapture the soot and that's steam coming up which is part of that that work which actually yeah. makes them look older than they event than they they did before because steam of course is associated with the old steamships and uh, <laughs> i noticed i noticed it on queen mary too and when, when i was last on board as well this white steam coming out of the funnel instead of instead of the dark black um soot that you might have seen uh, you know a decade ago and that's that they're putting things in to try and keep them cleaner um and, and to and to scrub the 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 waste but um some of these ships that they are of that age where you just what you get to a point where you can't retrofit them anymore and yeah. that's when they become difficult to um to keep in service and that's why we often see them sort of after that sort of 25 30 year mark get um get sent off to the breakers yeah we actually had a list of question coming this morning which we're not going to include in today's show mm. um but it probably will make for a very good end of year uh, podcast they wanted to know 
what new ships are due to be launched in 2021. And there's oh, okay. actually quite quite a list of them. So I'm going to put all the information together, and I think we'll we'll talk about that in the last yeah. uh, podcast of the year. <laughs> It'll be a very long, very long podcast because there's uh, all the ships that were supposed to debut this year are also waiting to debut in 2021. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so uh, yes, there's a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. Now we'll move into uh, to cruise news now. Um, sure. Celebrity uh, normally have celebrity solstice down here in the southern hemisphere for our summer. Um, actually, a bit of a change for 22. They're bringing down a different ship. Yes, uh, sister ship, um, the Celebrity Eclipse, um, will be heading down to Australia for 2020, late 2021, early 2022. Um, so that's, I think, October to April. Um, so um, if memory serves me, she's the same class as Solstice. Yeah, she is. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, uh, you know, a different, a different ships that they've done, you know, diff- slightly different treatment on the interior, give you a bit of a, a, a change if you're uh, a regular celebrity cruiser in Australian waters. Um, and they're doing a series of different um, voyages. They're doing coastal voyages, trips up to the Barrier Reef, um, some theme voyages as well. And I think you can also do short, short breaks. Um, you know, it's really yeah, nice if right. you can get on the ship in Sydney or Melbourne and go down to Tasmania. I've done that, on, not on Celebrity, but on other lines. It's a nice little getaway. Yeah. Um, and they're looking at offering that as well. Um, and, a, and a signature voyage to New Zealand, a food and wine themed cruise. Um, cool. So that should be great. And, uh, and again, um, sort of shows the confidence that they're going to send uh, one of their, well, it's not the newest class of ships, but it is definitely a, a significant investment to send um, uh, the Solstice class of vessels. It eclipses one of those down to, um, down to Australia. Oh, it is. It's a beautiful class of ship. Uh, very, mm. very nice interiors. And just a reminder that uh, as of this week, uh, Celebrity is always included. So they changed their fare structure. Um, we announced mm. them on last week's podcast. Yes. So now you have your drinks, your gratuities, um, all included in, uh, in the cruise fare, which is great. Now, uh, Cunard have also come out with some news for 2022. What's happening? Yeah, so they're um, going to be doing a, a series of different uh, voyages. They're, they've committed to be back in Alaska for 2022, which is great for anybody who likes to um, or wants to experience the Alaskan voyage with Cunard. And Cunard sounds, it seems like it's new to Alaska because um, they had a very long hiatus where they weren't cruising in Alaska, but Cunard was actually um, very regularly seen in Alaska throughout the late 1980s and early 1990s um, with some of their smaller ships. They used to have a fleet of, um, of smaller cruise ships back then and they 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 stepped away from alaska for a while but and and relaunched it. i think it was 2018 with the queen elizabeth um but they'll be back in 2022 of course this year they had to cancel their alaskan voyages um they've also again and no surprises of course but they've committed to a a full season of transatlantic crossings with queen mary too which is mm-hmm. um definitely an experience that you should try um 12 12 months ago, actually today, I was on the Queen Mary 2 on the North Atlantic Ocean and it was just a remarkable experience um, to have that seven days where you leave land and then you just the ship comes alive into itself, which is great. Um, and then they're also doing lots of Europe. So, you know, Queen Elizabeth was supposed to be based in this part of the world, but she relocated back to, to Southampton and, and she's been anchored off the coast of the UK. So late 2021, 2022, we'll see her focus on um, a series of voyages um, in in Europe um, before coming back here to, to our part of the world. Um, and so she'll be doing voyages out of Barcelona. And um, Queen Mary too is actually also going to be making some visits to Norway, which will be nice. She, she, she started her career going up to Norway in 2004. Um, she used to be in that part of, part of the world quite regularly, but had, 
had been a bit less uh, visible up there, and they're going to take her back up in 2022. Yeah, and if people like longer voyages, I, I found on the website the other day, a beautiful cruise from Barcelona all the way through to, to Fremantle or even all the way through to Melbourne, which is a, a 30-something yep. night voyage. So uh, great for and, those uh, people that like the sea days. Yeah, and that's um, I think that's late 2021, if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Because she's planning, this is Queen Elizabeth, she's planning to relocate back to um, Australia and pick up that Australian-based um, itinerary. Yep. Uh, from late 2021, and then she'll go up to Japan and then over to Alaska, and that's when they sort of bring this Alaskan stuff in in 2022. So it's kind of like the the European voyages they're doing on Queen Elizabeth are what's filling the gap after sending the ship back because yep. they, we just don't know when 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 every different country is going to open up again. Um, but by by late you know so by 2022, they're obviously expecting that they'll be able to resume all those all those very popular voyages and get things back to normal. Now, we've spoken a bit over the past couple of weeks about cruise lines uh, having incredibly busy days and breaking all records for sales. Uh, Viking actually broke a record uh, this week. They've actually sold out their world cruise. They have, yes. It's a Viking star. She's going to be um, doing this 2021-22 uh, world voyage over 100 nights around the world, which would be just a beautiful thing to experience. Um, and, yes, sold out. So they're also... Um, hinting i suppose that things are looking quite good in terms of demand for 2022 and 2023 because many of the cruise lines are opening things up uh, much earlier than they normally would because of course 2020 has been such a mess um and that's great like for any of us who who love being on ships i think people are just um really looking forward to being able to step back on board again and it sort of shows when they have record days like this that it's not just it's not just you uh, feeling like that, listener. It's uh, it's everybody. So we're we're all we're all chumping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Viking. To be fair, have been one of the the few cruise lines that have continued to advertise throughout this whole um, situation. So they're they're doing very very well out of it. They, as you say, they've, they've pretty much uh, filled up um, or sold very heavily into twenty two and have opened up into twenty three, which is, has been incredible. Uh, but mm. Uniworld, which is a river cruise operator, has also just this week announced their twenty twenty two collection. Yeah, and they're doing. Um, you know, they're not just uh, limited to one geographic area, you can um, cruise with Uniworld on their river cruise ships um, in in European waterways, um, also throughout Asia um, and Egypt, uh, yeah. which I thought sounds pretty interesting. Um, and I think it'd be a great way to to see to see different parts of the world on those river cruise uh, boats. And the lifestyle on board is quite different to the ocean cruise ships, so it's a bit more sort yeah. of laid back and relaxed. Um, and so that would be, you know, with uh, 2022 now on sale, you can start to plan, like if you're doing a, a land-based holiday, but you wanted to include a river cruise into it. Um, and it's probably for anybody who's very worried about being at an open ocean and seasickness and that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen on rivers, but it might be a, a, a nice way to sort of try the cruise experience, something a little bit different um, yeah. and see the different parts of the world. Yeah. And Uniworld are a really nice size. Their ships tend to carry fewer guests than the the other mm. cruise operators and just some incredible touches that they, they have on board as well. Uh, but we've got even more news for 2022, uh, this time from Princess. Yes, so they're um, now launching a series of cruises throughout Canada and the northern um, northeast of U United States. Um, and so they've got two ships that they're dedicating to that area. Um, the Enchanted Princess, which is making its first visit to the region, 
um, and the Caribbean Princess, which is you know sailing quite far away from the Caribbean and um, <laughs> and and heading up and heading up north. Um, and I think the 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 voyage or the experience, I suppose, that they've um, Princess have talked about um, that that captured my attention was the fact that they've got sailings out of New York where you can depart the city and then sail past, you know, the icons of uh, Lower Manhattan and the, um, uh, the, the, the Statue of Liberty. And then, of course, under the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, which is, um, you know, for these big ships like Enchanted Princess, the clearance on the funnel is quite close. It's quite an exciting experience. Um, sailing in or out of New York is, is remarkable. I guess it takes me back to my transatlantic I was talking about before. Um, and then be able to experience sort of a different um, itinerary with these with these ships would be quite quite exciting. Yeah, I was actually rewatching Mighty Ships for Queen Mary this weekend. Um, they oh, actually yeah. did the transatlantic and sailed under that bridge with literally, I think they said there was about two meters clearance yeah. that they had. It's, Some uh, people look at Queen close. Mary too. Like if you look at her and you and if you know your your ships and you look at QE2 for example, and you see QE2's got this massive, great big black and red funnel it's very tall and commanding and queen mary 2s looks a lot, a lot smaller it's still an impressive structure but it's very squat compared to qe2s and the reason why is that it needed to be that height to fit under the bridge because queen mary 2 is so much taller um, yeah. and so it just gives you just enough clearance that throughout the different tidal conditions when the ships plan to come in and out they're going to be able to get under the bridge because without getting into new york can i can't do transatlantic so that's why. little bonus piece of history there for you. <laughs> <laughs> and from the Queens over to the Royals, Royal Caribbean have also got an announcement for 2022. Yeah, so Royal um, Caribbean is another brand that's quite um, common to find in Alaska. Um, just like um, Holland America and, and Cunard, they've had a, a long history there. And this, uh, well, not this year, of course, but um, 2022, they're actually going to send four of their ships um, to Alaska. You've got two of the enormous um, quantum class, there's Ovation and Quantum, which is um, uh, the second largest class that RCI have after mm-hmm. the Oasis, which of course is much too big to go to most places. Um, and then there's uh, the slightly smaller class of ships, the Radiance and the Serenade of the Seas. Both of those um, ships are, again, still extremely large, lots of amenities and uh, experiences on board. They've got... Um, you know the the Royal Promenade main shopping area. It's like being in uh, in a city almost. It's quite remarkable, and they have all these ex- exciting activities on board the ships. Um, and they're doing sailings out of both Van. Well, between the four of them, you can choose to sail out of either Vancouver if you're departing from Canada, or from Seattle if you want to um, start your journey or end your journey in the United States. Brilliant. And uh, our friends at Disney have announced that uh, there's going to be delays to their new two ships coming out. Um, and basically uh, delays because of uh, delays at the shipyards uh, around COVID. Yeah, so this is, again, um, for anyone who's been regularly listening to our, our chats, there's been quite a lot of disruption in the in the de- delays and deliveries of ships throughout 2020, 2021, because, um, you know, the impact that it's had on land-based um, infrastructure, just, just like um, shipyards and, and, and the like. So these two ships are being built at the Mayer-Werf shipyard in Germany. They've... Um, got a lot of experience building big, big ships and big ships for Disney as well. So they'll be spectacular when they come out. The Disney ships are just um, so unique. They they look like they kind of look like what an ocean liner designer in the 1950s might have drawn to make a ship look modern. Like it's just <laughs> tw- twin funnels, a beautiful pointed bow, but then sort of streamlined and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so they're going to the two new ships 
um, just being pushed back with the 2022 and a 2023 um, entry into service, and then that will bring Disney up to a six-ship fleet. Yeah. And then we've got a couple of uh, pauses. First of all, P&O um, Australia mm-hmm. have announced a further uh, extension to their pause. Yeah, so P&O Australia at the moment, um, a one-ship fleet. Of course, we've got two others coming next year um, entering into service. But the Pacific Explorer, which is their current vessel that's um, that's laid up along with everybody else, um, she's now not expected to return into service until February 2021. Um, again, all of us here in Australia and I suppose those in New Zealand as well where there's cruise bans in place are watching uh, and waiting to find out if there's any information about when that ban might be lifted. And I, I imagine the cruise lines are doing the same thing. Um, and so 2021, um, February now for Pacific Explorer. Sure. And you touched on all the eco goals of uh, the, the cruise mm. industry in general, but AIDA, which is the, the German brand of the Carnival Corporation, has um, committed to something by 2030. Yeah, and is actually quite um, well respected for having um, an environmental, a very you know, sort of strong environmental conscience. I think we, we did a previous podcast where we talked about awards that were given out for yeah, that's cruise right, yeah. lines. And yeah, AIDA was up there, particularly amongst large, large ship brands for sure. Um, and so they're, well, they've also uh, one of the ship, shipping companies that are within Carnival Corp that's taking on these LNG-powered ships, which immediately, I mean, it's still carbon, got, still got a carbon footprint, right? But it immediately reduces it when it com- compares it to sort of bunker fuel, um, yeah. which is much more um, uh, carbon heavy. Um, and that's uh, Aida Perla. And then her sister ship, Aida Cosma, um, is also going to be of the same sort of design. But they haven't just stopped there. They're actually... Um, also installing um, sort of batteries for power storage and fuel cells on board the ships to help, you know, run the hotel services, which um, re- reduces the load on the engines, uh, which is making a significant reduction um, in the amount of uh, emissions that these particular ships uh, are putting out. And they're also retrofitting that into some of their, you know, not old ships, but they're older than the than the Perla and the and the Cosma. So. Um, that's great for AIDA, and their plan is to have the ship's um, emissions neutral by 2030. So, you know, Incredible. just nine years away. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen a few cruise lines now introducing uh, fuel cells and battery storage systems, and uh, it's obviously going to be the, the way of the future. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that's interesting. I began from 20, 2020 with the, the industry, like this aviation industry, hotels, like land-based um, transportation as well, having had such a huge hit and such a pause, it's given everybody who's running these businesses, I suppose, a chance to, you know, look at this. They've got these ships out of service. They they conceal the customer feedback, that sort of thing, and start to implement some of these um, practices that are going to result in the industry being, you know, better for it once it recommences. So. It's turning that what's been an absolute terrible year for for, for um, transportation and trying to trying to make it um, a positive experience when it when it's um, over, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, Chris, if you've got time, we've got a couple of listener yep. questions, but we'll take sure. a quick break. No worries. Did I mention there's a little way you can help keep this uh, podcast on air? 
That's right, just for the cost of a coffee. Uh, so about four Aussie dollars, about two pounds something, about two euros something. Um, you can make a donation and that helps uh, keep the lights on and keep the, the podcast uh, producing in, the, in this weekly format. Um, or you can join up as a member and make a, a monthly uh, subscription. And in return, receive some incredible um, bonus material as well. Um, all the details are on the show notes of each and individual podcast. Or you can head to uh, the website, buy me a coffee forward slash the big cruise pod. And uh, we look forward to uh, shouting you out if you are able to, uh, to make a little donation. Thanks in advance. Okay, now we're heading into the, the list of questions section of today's podcast. And uh, just to remind you, if you do have a question, you can head to thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, there is Join the Show. And by uh, putting in your details, putting in your question, that'll come through to uh, myself and Chris, and we'll do our best to, to answer it for you. And it's also the same way if you want to leave a cruise review. Now, we know it's been some time since any of us have been on a cruise, uh, but if you had a good experience or if you had a, a, any experience that you want to talk about um, in the last couple of years, you're more than welcome to do so. Get in touch the same way on that Join the Show button on the website. But uh, our first question today, Chris, comes from Lee, and um, she says that she's very sensitive to smoke and asks if there are any ships that are 100% no smoking. Oh, good question. I mean, there was a yeah, long there time was ago. Yeah, there was one Carnival actually launched a ship called Carnival Paradise and uh, a fantasy class ship, and she was 100% no smoking. And if memory can, uh, uh, serves me right, it was also no smoking for the crew as well. And she had these enormous no smoking signs on the side of the ship, but um, they, they sort of phase that out. I think it's it's very difficult because – you're, you're um, to be 100% no smoking because you're, you're cutting out um, anybody who who smokes from, from a booking a voyage. But they do have, um, you know, many cruise lines now um, have very strict um, rules around smoking. I know on um, many of the cruise lines that I've traveled with, you know, 10 years ago, you could smoke maybe in your cabin or on your balcony. You can't even do that on most of them now. It's designated mm-hmm. places on the deck. Um, and I think you were saying um, in the break there, Baz, that a few of the um, uh, cruise lines also have rooms that are certified as being smoke-free. Yeah, so a couple of lines have what they call spa accommodation, which serves two purposes. Number one, it's very close to the spa and the, the treatment areas, and you get some benefits with that. But they uh, are also guaranteed to be no smoking because there is a very severe fine imposed if anybody is to smoke in those particular cabins. Mm. And they also have some different filtration systems um, and air purifiers available in the rooms as well. So that might be an angle to go down if if you are particularly sensitive. But as you say, um, all the ships that I've been on in the last kind of five years, it's, it, mm. you, you don't really notice smoking as much as you used to. Yeah, the, the purification and the ventilation. Deck. Yeah, yeah exactly. on a deck, but certainly certainly in the indoor spaces or the public lounges, yeah. um, it, you very very rarely come across it. I think on the on the newer ships for sure. Yeah, it's a bit harder on the ships as well than it is on aircraft because, of course, the aircraft are fully non-smoking once you're on the plane. But yeah. at worst, you're looking at maybe a you know a day in the air if you're flying long, one of these long haul trips. Whereas if you're going on a you know on a cruise, you just people just who smokers just wouldn't some of them just wouldn't book, I suppose. So mm-hmm. they they are um, you know welcome to come on board, but they do have to keep to these designated areas, um, which is usually an open deck area. And it's usually on one side of the ship in one particular location where they have signs up that might say designated smoking area, or um, or maybe there might be one or two little locations. But I, mean, I think most of the ships, most of the ships now, generally, it's not even indoors; it's just outside. 
Yeah, and those places are becoming uh, smaller and smaller mm, every yep. year, pretty much, as yep. uh, smoking becomes less popular. Uh, but realistically, uh, Lee, if you speak to a really good, clear, accredited uh, travel agent, they will be able to uh, find you um, the right ship and make sure your cabin is in an area that's uh, away from any outdoor smoking decks mm. and uh, maybe have a look at that spa accommodation because it is one way just to to uh, to try and avoid it as much as you uh, possibly can. Now, our next question, Chris, comes from Lou. Um, Lou, now she doesn't say where she's from, actually, but uh, she's asking or uh, comparing a tour versus a cruise to Norway mm-hmm. and is asking what's the benefits over cruising versus land. I think the thing with um, cruising to Norway versus land to Norway, it's kind of like the same benefits for cruising anywhere, really. Like you can do land-based trips to Norway, of course, but... Um, with the cruise, you know, Norway is just so well um, sort of suited to that, that cruise experience because you have all these amazing waterways um, that you can experience and the views and, and access from the ships in some places is much easier um, than taking it by land, particularly depending on what time of year you're going to be traveling. Um, but also just the sights that you get from being on the water looking at the fjords or looking at, you know, um, some of these uh, iconic northern ports where you're pulling into these beautiful um, locations and you're sort of got, you've got this full vista of it from the ship. It's quite remarkable. But then you can also do like the extended days at least um, when the ship is is at anchor. Um, I know like in Grangerfjord, for example, when the ship pulls in there, there's the opportunity to take the, the tender to, to town and just have a walk around yourself or you can go up and see the glaciers or you can take a helicopter and, and go and, um, explore further um, throughout the fjords and, and then come back to this sort of hub where the next day you're in a different location. So, um, look, I mean, that's pretty much the pitch for cruising, isn't it? It's the same mm-hmm. thing. You can do land-based there. You can do land-based anywhere, um, perhaps maybe not transatlantic, but, you know, you can do land-based <laughs> um, on many of these places where the cruise ships go. But, you know, the the fact that your luxury hotel is coming with you, that you get that ocean vista, that it's uh, – um, you know, a nice uh, hub for you to be in a familiar place when you finish your tours, all that sort of thing is, is one of the reasons why I think, and just the, just the, the experience and the majesty of it sailing into these, these remarkable, um, natural wonders, um, from the ocean into the, into the sites, you know, it just, it's something that we'll never forget. I'll never forget anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Norway is absolutely spectacular. It is very, very beautiful. The one thing I will add to what you said, Chris, is that Norway is an incredibly expensive destination once you're there. The mm. cost of living in Norway is the highest in anywhere in Europe. So just a simple coffee, a glass of wine, a beer is like three to four times the price of uh, mm. Australia or the, or the UK. So maybe if you are, I don't know where you are, but if you're in the UK, maybe consider a cruise on a UK-based cruise line. That way you're Onboard spends will be in pounds, and you're not having to uh, spend too much uh, Norwegian currency at all whilst you're there. Um, alternatively, um, if you're elsewhere in the world and you're heading over, one thing to maybe consider is do the combination. There's a beautiful combination of what they call Norway in the nutshell, which is the most scenic train ride in the world from Oslo through to Bergen. And then you can do the, the Hurtigruten Express route up to, to Kirkenes and back down to Bergen if, if you wanted to do the return journey. And that will give you the best of both land mm. and sea. But you definitely need to incorporate a cruise in some way if you're going to Norway because it's, it, there's just so much to see. It's incredible. And our last question, Chris, is from Stav. 
Um, Stav yeah. asks, is there any cruises that start or embark in Phuket, Thailand, as he and his family would like to do a fly stay cruise, including pre-stay in Phuket? I can only think of one, but I'll see if you know of anybody else. Uh, well, I was going to say I can only think of, um, of of incorporating Thailand or Phuket into um, into a trip on one of the ships that's doing world cruise segments. So maybe maybe you could buy, I'm not even 100% sure, but maybe you can buy an embarkation in Thailand, but you'd end up somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so perhaps you could go to, I mean, quite a lot of the ships that go through um, – Asia as part of their world cruise will will have turnaround ports. Sometimes it's in it's in um, Thailand. Sometimes mostly it's in places like Singapore or Hong Kong. Um, so you may be able to to speak to a, a cruise specific travel agent to a, a, arrange for you to board the ship in Thailand. But um, what's the one you're thinking of, Buzz? Uh, Star Clipper, which is the the tall oh, ship company. Yes. Yes. Um, now, they have announced that that ship will actually be going back to Europe in 22, mm. I think. So certainly for 21, you'll have the opportunity to do a seven-night round trip out of Phuket, but it is seasonal. It, uh, it spends half the year cruising out of uh, Bali and the other half of the year cruising out of Phuket. And yeah. from memory, I think Phuket is for uh, our Australian winter or the northern summer. Um, yeah. And that, that could be an option. But like you say, if, you, if you're looking at a world cruise, your chances out of Phuket are pretty slim. You, you might find something if you're lucky out of Bangkok. Yeah, and I think um, there's you know um, Star Cruises has a presence in in that that region, but I, it's quite depending on where you are, it's quite hard to to book with them now. So mm-hmm. uh, because they're part of a, a larger group and they've got sort of a series of different brands that service the different areas, yeah. uh, I think um, most of the ships that we remember from from Star Cruises have either been have either been retired or have been transferred across and renamed under Dream Cruises. Um, and so it's a, it, it's much more sort of it's like PNO Australia is is hard for people overseas to, to book on it. It's a bit more yeah, sort yeah. of tailored specifically for that area. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a regional cruise line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But look, I mean, if Stav finds one and he wants to let us know so we can help people in the future, just uh, just send a message back in, Stav, and we'd love to hear what uh, what you end up doing. Yeah, and um, I, I can recommend Star Clipper if, if you want a different cruising experience. It is the tall ship, so it's not a, you haven't got rock climbing walls and ice skating rings, but it's a, a sailing experience um, with only a limited number of passengers cruising down the islands of, uh, of Thailand. Then uh, I think you'd have an incredible time, and I think uh, I think even the, the the kids. We don't know how old they are, but I'm assuming they're probably a little bit older. Would uh, probably enjoy it as well. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Now, that's all of our listener questions for today, Chris. Um, you normally put out videos on your socials, but I know you haven't got one going out this weekend. But what's, what's people talking to you on the socials? Are there any, any conversations that are happening about specific topics that we should be covering? Uh, I think I think the, the, the main one really at the moment is it, well, a couple of different sort of subtopics in relation to the pause still. So, so many people are still wondering, you know, when is it coming back? What are they doing? How are the ship's being... And how they how's the companies affording to keep them all laid up is just remarkable, really. Um, and then the um, uh, the questions about scrapping ships. And I do have a series of videos about scrapping ships now on on my channel. Um, last week's video was about um, the latest group of ships that were being sent off to scrap, including um, the ship that was the Pacific Jewel, which of course was very much loved here mm-hmm. in Australia. Yep. Um, but yes, it's just uh, people seem to have an appetite at the moment for uh, the watching what's happening to the industry and sort of it's like um it's like a horror show in some, in some <laughs> cases you know with all these um ships going off to, to to scrap but also i think 
and the amazement that they've been able to keep the the passenger ships laid up and these companies are still in existence when when you think about it without any um, customers for yeah. for so long it just shows the strength that cruising has had over the years that they've been able to sustain themselves which you know you've got to give them credit for that yeah and as i don't think anybody's actually physically cancelled any new ship orders yes the the, the delivery dates might be moving mm. because of delays that have happened in the the pipeline of a supply pipeline but um, there's uh, a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure some incredible ships come out in not only 21 but right through to you know 25 26 27 even yeah it sounds like the industry, when it comes back, it will come back with a, um, you know, leaner, um, greener, and more sort of um, maybe even more refined product. You know, with uh, announcements like what Celebrity saying about all inclusive. I mean, it's just giving all the brands an opportunity to think what do they want to look like into the future. And yeah. um, a lot of the announcements sound very positive. Yeah, no, exactly. Couldn't agree more. Chris, it is always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, Fridays come around very, very quickly, and I'm sure next Friday we'll be here very soon. It's always a pleasure, mate. Speak soon. Thanks, Baz. Take care. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>